Welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back for another episode of Will Trent. This is number eight of hopefully season one and we get a season two. I thought this was a very successful episode entitled $200 and a Bus Pass, written by Kareen Rosenthal and directed by Gary McLeod. I think they finally nailed the structure that has been missing a little bit over the the preceding episodes of balancing out two story arcs as well as as well as balancing out the characters within those story arcs if that makes sense so i gave this episode a 9.4 out of 10 i thought both storylines were engaging i thought that the the relationship aspect felt more wholesome and family oriented and i'm glad to see that faith is over there starting to get some looks because she looking all types of delectable and i can't see many men that wouldn't be trying to jump all over that you so fucking precious when you smile yeah. from the back and drive you wild before we jump into the review, wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, get onto the radio section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. If you want to send feedback for Will Trent or any other show that I do, blackercouch at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment as well. So we are going to discuss the B story arc first, which is the death of the magician. <laughs> in the old person's home oh man I had the name of the home written down I wrote no notes I just watched it all the way through because I'm still recovering from being ridiculously sick but uh I want to say it was Sunnyside just because I, I was thinking that is such a generic name of a nursing home but he was stabbed in the back right before his show the Procure Nancy informs that he always performs here and that everyone likes him. So they now have to deal with a whole bunch of <laughs> nursing home drama, which is great because two of them rolled in in a wheelchair like he's still here. I'm disrespectful as the fuck. I think it's fair when Michael said this is Michael and Angie's story, by the way. When Michael said that they're probably used to having people be wheeled out of here dead. However, you got Miss Linda over there. She's like, uh, can we see Michael take his shirt off? <laughs> she was really trying. They begin to question the residents looking for the missing phone because he has a tripod. And then the fire alarm is pulled and someone very conveniently pours water all over the computers to destroy any possible evidence or, you know, get rid of the phone that they have. The one chick, was it Linda? No, I, I can't get all their names uh, put together. But homegirl came in and was like, can I have this bunny? Turns out she was the break in the case because... Not only did she take the bunny, she took the phone. <laughs> she finally admitted, I probably should turn this in after watching what what occurred on said phone. Uh, 
there were a few scenes that did make me laugh out loud. The fact that they kept dragging the shit out of the fact that there was magical, like he disappeared like poof. And the, the lack of empathy they had towards these people who were being hypnotized and having their information taken. That one lady should have put it together though. Yo, grandpa talking about, I don't even get on the internet and you thought that he was the one that was ordering things online and then replacing his card. Isn't he supposed to be seen now? I'm not sure how she didn't put that shit together. I know I would have. Explain to me. Explain to me. And I think they did a good job of making Michael likable in this episode as he was you know, kind of giving in to the old geezers. Like, oh, come on, Linda. You know you still got it. And even to that old man, like, oh, you could have moved him. You got muscles. I see you you working. He's like, oh, I've been working on my, uh, <laughs> what do you call that? Oh, dang it. I forgot. What, but that was funny. They eventually, after looking at the phone, see that it was the 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 administrator, Nancy, who had murdered him after they had a confrontation. She was also his partner. The GBI had been building a case against him for fraud because he goes around the country smooching up to administrators and then stealing uh, people's money for all they got. And she got upset and stabbed him in the back and didn't realize the entire time that her crime was filmed. And that's what she gets. That is definitely what she gets. But both of them talking to the captain being like, so we want to know how much money he stole. We got a bet going. He's like, I don't ever want to hear about this again. I can't believe y'all talk about 85,000. I think it's a lot more. So bad. But I thought that was a, a nice B storyline. Didn't require a whole bunch of, uh, it, it was a mystery of who done it. What do you say? It's Agatha Christie. So it was soft food and, uh, oh, what was, I keep missing all the great lines. He said it was softer food and something else. Uh, let's go to the A story arc, which is the death of Allison. She leaves study hall and is approached by her boyfriend, Jason. She doesn't want to talk with him. So she carries on her journey, making her way to the lake. She did hear someone in the woods possibly following her talking about I got me some mace. I don't feel the need to announce shit. I just run. That's just me. It, I, I don't, mace is one thing. A stun gun is another. And one is, is far more powerful than the other. I would have just ran. But she sees that it's a dog walker and her... Her fears put aside, unfortunately, the next thing we know, she's dead. Someone put a cinder block around her and put her in the lake after stabbing her. Trying to make it seem like it was a suicide, but I said this, that was the first thing I said. I'm like, who has a broken off piece of a note as a suicide note? That does not make sense. And it's clearly been torn off of something else. And there's no other notebook around that would show that she tore it off herself. And Will realizes that she was stabbed after looking at her body more closely, seeing the stab wound, womb, wound, there we go. And he sees that there's a lot of blood splatter on a tree and the preciseness of the, the kill shot 
indicate someone is a possible hunter. Of course, when he goes to her room and realizes that she is a child of the system, as she labels everything, afraid of it being taken away from her, Will gets triggered. And down, where you from? I really like the narrative choice of having Will interact with his vision of Allison talking to her directly and indirectly. I thought that lent a a different layer to how he connected to this victim. Uh, They really was rude. At least real was rude to the roommate (laughs) for no reason. It's like, uh, if you want to be successful, you need to learn your roommate's. Well, she was a private person. That's not on him. But Will's just angry when he gets triggered. And they realize someone is knocking on Allison's window. And it is a kid by the name of... Don't remember. But once he makes a run for it, Will gets all upset, a little too aggressive I didn't think it was that out of control, but he ends up having a seizure. Everyone witnesses it. And it doesn't look the best for Will with Amanda jumping in his ass. Like just because this girl was from the system don't mean that you get to walk around with a chip on your shoulder, putting people in the hospital. She said he either better recover or he's the murder suspect. I don't give a fuck which. (laughs) I'm fine either way. So Will then goes back to the morgue and talks with the, uh, is it the mortician? Anyhow, he said, I love when we finish each other's sentences. <laughs> and they learned that she does have a high level of enzymes in her liver. And she says, I wasn't a heavy drinker. And I don't think that's a bad assumption on the mortician. But like college student drinker that is kind of hand in hand doesn't necessarily mean But if that's your first indication, why wouldn't it be? And that's all that he's meant to do. I'm not a detective. And he says, she wasn't a drinker. Whatever you say, I don't need you to defend the the corpse on the table, sir. I just, once again, give you the evidence of which I may think it's preliminary. It's, It's not concrete. But at that point he realizes that she may have been or that she was part of a drug study because they bring up the fact that the other guy was in a drug study but he shouldn't have been in a drug study because of his history which leads them to what could possibly be going on and what is Allison's role in this um, drug trial which they get paid for for students Now, Allison was struggling with two jobs and still not able to make ends meet. Which, unfortunately, we find out leads Allison to selling the drugs that were meant for one thing, but used for another, basically like Adderall. But we're getting a little ahead. Let's go back to Faith, who meets her doctor, Dr. Farhad. And he says, uh, I remember you. And she's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And he tries to smoothly get, ask her out, but it, it's not very smooth. She's like, what do you mean? Am I eating enough? He's like, I'm trying to ask if you want to have dinner with me. And she's like, oh, oh, 
Oh, and then she diarrheaed of the mouth her whole entire life story. I'm 33, but I have an 18 year old and I got pregnant the first time I had sex. Ain't that crazy? That's why she's fucked up. She is so fucked up. I would be fucked up too if that was my first experience (laughs) and I'm pregnant. I'm like, I hate life. I hate it so bad. And he also is a little bit of a dork and He's like, I look forward to talking to you again. She's like, do you? Do you? Because that was just weird and awkward. And I'm running into shit and I'm about to leave. He looked fine, though. I mean, I could give it up to a I could give it up to him. They then go to the lab and talk to Darla. uh, Who says that. Jason is a sweet person and he's going through a lot. He comes back in and he talks to them and says, look, I don't know why Allison broke up with me. I think that she was afraid of getting close to someone. I love Faith called Will out. I think you're over identifying because he really told him to his face. Maybe she wasn't just into you like, damn, he's mourning someone he clearly was in love with. And you just threw it out there like, eh, you weren't good enough for her. He did help her get into the drug trial to assist her. And then Darla reveals after she was way too hyper that unfortunately his alibi is shaky because she was not with him all night. So they then decide to talk to Dr. Tilda. They get a subpoena. I love when they busted that subpoena out. She's like, I can't reveal any information unless I, oh, oh, here's a warrant. The other scene that had me laughing out loud is when they get a call from the doctor. She's like, it's the hospital and puts it on speaker. And he's like, yeah, Faith, it's Dr. Farhad. Blue face, baby. Yeah, yeah, I. He then was thirsting up about that. Talking about, I get off a little later on and, uh, you know, <laughs> we could always grab a bite. She's like, oh, he screamed. She's wide open. Shut up. This leads them back to looking for Jason as the culprit because it seems as if he is guilty. (laughs) Especially when after talking to Dr. Tilda, they go back to her lab and they find Darla stabbed on the floor with a whole bunch of blood all over the place. In the hospital, Darla tells them that all of the blood samples, because you have to give a blood sample to get the pills, are of only uh Allison's DNA and that Jason was logging it as such framing Jason for the murder they go to look for Jason and he's unfortunately dead in the basement in the boiler room with I'm sorry written on the wall I will say no one should have believed that murder scene I am not a detective but my first thing is the fuck how did he get over here and the way he the gun was nah that would have been very easily even if investigated a little bit, this is not suicide. Very much like the first one was not suicide. They keep t- called her brilliant, but I'm like, no, you're not because both suicides were not ruled suicide. Clearly you suck. All you did was, was delay the inevitable, which was pointing to the fact that Darla is the killer. Da, da, da. Not that surprised. Honestly, when I saw her bouncing up and down, I was like, she's definitely taking those drugs. <laughs> especially when the kids all come in and 
that's the first thing face like i know how to talk to kids and she buys the pizza and even the old man was like you know they got pizza upstairs right uh they all admit the kids that they're using it to study uh stay up late normal college stuff that kids would use drugs for and so when they go back to the hospital they talk to Darla, but they really set her up because, uh, well, they talked to Amanda first and Amanda's like, yeah, if you don't think it smells right, figure out who really did it. And they do because homegirl, they talked to Dr. Farhad and they're like, oh, well, he's in, he, he need, you need to come back in the morning or something to that effect. And uh, Will waits in the room. For her to come in and she totally was about to murder that man or that boy. He's still in a coma. But they set it up to set her up. And he said, he's like, I knew in the boiler room that you did it. Because you needed to obscure the time of death. I don't know how she thought she was going to defend herself. But she ran out of the room and right into Faith who arrests her for both murders. Talking about, I gave her money. Why didn't, like, she didn't want to do it anymore. And you murdered her because you didn't want to lose your whole entire career. Why didn't you just stop? People kill for the stupidest of reasons. They really do. And that is pretty much the conclusion of that arc. However, there was a moment that I really like with Will by himself in the office. And he was talking to Allison and she said, you're disappointed in me. He's like, no, I know exactly what you had to go through. You were so close. You went to college. When you age out in foster care, all they do is give you, uh, which is the title of this episode, $300 in a bus ticket or $200 in a bus ticket. And she managed to put herself in college, managed to work two jobs. She pretty much had it all. And so he, he feels a need to to get justice for her even more so. And he explains a little bit of his backstory about how he stole food at 19 because he was so hungry. But the police chief named Amanda Wagner, which is his current boss, of course, took saw something in him and helped him. And that's what he feels guilty about, that she didn't get the help. I did like the ending scene as well with Will, Nico and Angie honoring Allison for for what she did manage to accomplish because she doesn't have any other family so the idea that she matters to someone I thought that was very nice touch and uh the moment where Faith and Will are by the elevator and she's like nice job partner and He's like, so you gonna call that doctor? I mean, he's a good, good uh-uh. You know what? I tried to have a moment with you and I don't get on this elevator. You get on my nerves. Hopefully we see some more uh, layering or developing of faith. I don't think that she's underdeveloped, don't get me wrong. But I do want to see more of her personal life too. And I think the introduction of a possible love interest is a, a good step in that direction and the the introduction of her baby daddy and exactly what she has to deal with with that i bet you amanda wouldn't have no beef with farhad i know that much get your mask. overall really good episode they are taking a hiatus so they won't be back for another two weeks 
so keep that in your calendar if you once again want to send feedback blackercouch at gmail.com and until next time peace hair grease and blacker magic Real hard with it.